while your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrell. And I'm Chris McCarthy. And uh, so we have a full full roster of, uh, of guests this evening. And in the 9 o'clock hour, we're joined by New Bedford State Rep. Chris Hendricks. Hey, Chris. Gentlemen, how are you? Hey, Representative. How are you? Good, good. Uh, how is everything over there? It got a little testy with uh, Jack and Chris. Is everything okay? Jack's fine. <laughs> I didn't. Okay. Good, good Jack left fine under his own power. He's fine. Jack, everything's everything's cool. We had a we had a we we all have a. Listen, we're great friends. That's why we can rattle each other. No, I bit. know. I'm just poking fun. And, and Chris, I gotta say, you sound great. Uh, it's good to hear you. You sound strong, and you Thank sound you. Uh, you sound like you're in great shape. So that's great to hear. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the fine work of the folks at um, at Chris's law firm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Chris. Um, you so last I talked to you, there were some. You were talking about some uh, committee appointments that uh, that were uh, coming up. The first one, you you know, you're on judiciary last uh, last time, and you had made it clear to Speaker Mariano that you wanted to be on a judiciary again. Did you get that committee appointment? I did. Of so, course, you did. Um, yep, the Housing and Judiciary Committee. Uh, all three committees that I was on last session, I remain on, um, but the federal stimulus. Uh, in Census Oversight Committee, I've been bumped up to a vice chair um, of that committee. Uh, so that's certainly an exciting thing. It's, that's a, um, that's I'm really tremendous. Proud, uh, of the fact that, you know, that that, that came about. Um, I, as you said, Marcus, I was only really shooting at this point. I, I was going to tease out the ARPA committee thing, but you just you just sort of jumped right into it. You're that's so excited. That's why he's a guest and you're a host. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do I can't do your work for you, Marcus. No, but um, but but as you stated, one of my priorities was obviously to stay engaged on the judiciary committee. Um, just as just as a rank and file member, I wasn't you know I, I would not presume to ask for a, a chairmanship uh, for a committee like that at this stage in the game. But um, but I, I remain on the judiciary, thankfully, um, and then the, the chair uh, housing, uh, which will certainly be a busy, active, um, relevant committee this session, particularly, um, and then the chairmanship on the uh, the ARPA committee. We're speaking with uh, Representative uh, Chris Hendricks. Chris, explain a little bit about about housing. Uh, to, to the listeners at home, so they understand really what's going to happen. And they hear us talk about the housing what place is a all the time. What is a home? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, 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 what sort of things fall under your responsibility? What, what are you going to be able to do for your district? So as a member of the committee, what we, our job in the housing committee is to review any legislation that essentially has to do with housing. Anything from rent control, tenant protection, rent stabilization, um, you know, and they have to come through our committee where, uh, whereupon we, we listen to testimony from stakeholders, um, residents of the Commonwealth, anybody essentially. Um, Does that include the in. money on housing? That no, uh, not, but that's usually House Ways and Means. Okay. When it comes to appropriations, um, certainly the Housing Committee makes recommendations. Okay. Um, but but ultimately, as far as the big bucket housing money, that that goes through Ways and Means. 
Um, this, the, I'm on the legislative committee that would have to do with uh, reviewing bills and then reporting them out favorably or unfavorably. Um, if for some reason they don't fit into the uh, the common, you know, that the House's um, plan to, to to combat uh, housing issues. So, um, Chris, explain for those people who who don't know uh, what the ARPA committee will do and, and and how that that piece works. That's all federal funds, but it, but you has to have a state passer, right? Right. So, if if you remember um, when the, the 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 COVID money was allocated to the states through the federal action uh the 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 massachusetts received about eight billion dollars five billion five plus billion of which was in our discretion to appropriate um and so we have so the job of this committee is to essentially listen to the stakeholders um you know find out the best and most effective way to spend that money um and and make recommendations on you know where the best places are to spend that money now the, the prior appropriations that we already done, we out of that 5.2 billion, we spent about um, about two. I want to say 2.8 billion already in last session. Um, and you know, this money has a lot of strings attached. You know, there were certain buckets that we can't. You know, we, we can we have constraints on where we can spend it: transportation, hospitals, a lot of COVID-related um, um, areas. So hopefully moving forward this session, we'll be able to um, touch different areas as opposed to just hospitals. So hopefully we can beef up uh, housing. Um, we can beef up, um, you know, issues that matter to the gateway cities, community health centers, uh, child care. Um, so, so essentially the job of this committee is to hear from uh, multiple stakeholders, residents on how we should spend this money. So we're speaking with uh, New Bedford's uh, state rep, um, Chris Chris Hendricks. So, Chris, on the ARPA funding, will you be looking to do because it it is, it's, I think it's come to an end or, or it's about to come to an end, right? After after the next couple of years, there won't be any more mm-hmm. federal money. So, are you looking to, to to spend it all or build in programs that require a local well, match? Well, we have to we have to spend it all. Okay, so it's it's it, it's a very unique situation. This the, you know COVID money, um, you know any when we say ARPA, we basically mean COVID. Anything any type of appropriations on the federal government that we got right. for, pertaining to COVID or like CARES um, Act so, stuff like that. Yeah, maybe bipartisan infrastructure yeah, bill does that. Money. Sure. Um, so we have to. So the law states, the federal law states that we have to have that money appropriated by 2024 and spent down by tw- the end of 2026 hmm. okay so it's kind of a finite situation we're working within here right um and so um there's about 1.8 billion dollars left of that money um so you know it's it's a good chunk of change for sure and, and again it's not you know this isn't bonding money this isn't money that we appropriate and then we have to struggle to get for our community this is money that goes directly into municipalities i think um last uh the, the big ARPA bill we did in December of 2021, New Bedford, I think around, around 70 million, um, and then then it's up at that point. It's up to the city council, um, you know, how they want to spend that money on housing, yards, uh, transportation. Um, I, I would anticipate this might be a little more transportation spending um, locally, given that the, uh, the we get we're getting the two MBA MBTA stations. Okay. Uh, and the train is coming down, but certainly that is you know one of the jobs of 
our committee, um, and then ultimately the job of the city council to figure out how to spend it. Chris, what do you identify as the areas of need when you're looking at that $1.8 billion? I, I would definitely start with housing. Absolutely. Um, I, I didn't catch, I, I caught about 10 minutes of the debate and then I, I almost all of your, your post-game analysis. And um, I heard a lot of talk about housing. And that's certainly, with the, with the train coming down, prices are going to go up. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think we need to make sure that people don't get priced out, uh, particularly renters. So, so I'm hoping a lot of that money uh, will be, you know, appropriated on the housing side and probably transportation. Um, you know, I think those two go, go hand in hand, especially over the next several years uh, here in the city. So, um, so I'm, I'm, again, it's, it's our job to, to listen to everybody um, and make our recommendation to the House Ways and Means and ultimately get appropriated that way. But, um, yeah, I, I would expect those two areas are going to be big over the next two years. And I think Maura Healy has indicated that housing um, is going to be uh, the forefront of one of her priorities. So, Chris, um, you're talking, you know, you talked a little bit about the Judiciary Committee. Um, can you just t- expand a little bit more on, like, the work that you guys do? That's a really important committee. Yeah, it's, it, it, and it's, it, it's, since I've joined the legislature, it's the most compelling work that I've, I've certainly done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's just like the housing, it's a legislative committee, so any bill, any uh, legislative action that has to do with the courts, criminal, civil, or otherwise, um, come through this committee. It's probably the, one of the busiest, aside from Ways and Means, it's probably the busiest committee um, up at the State House. I think we have, you know, over thousands of bills that come through our committee that we um, hear testimony on. And unfortunately, sometimes that makes me have to be in Boston up until, you know, 12 midnight sometimes listening to testimony in, in person. Um, which, by the way, committee hearings will all now be, um, will have a virtual option, which will effectively make make them probably longer because more people will be able to participate but i think it's good the fact that it, it, it's open you don't have to travel into boston if you want to have your voice heard so yeah so we we hear um uh just like the housing committee we hear testimony from stakeholders um and then make recommendations um you know favorably or unfavorably on on certain did you say you're doing remote here Say that again, remote, something about remote so, hearings? So, they, so we are back in session fully in person okay. in, in the chamber. But for committee hearings, they, we, it's going to be hybrid. So if you're a constituent in Western Mass, or if you're a, you know, a resident in Western Mass and you, wanna, um, you don't want to drive into a committee, you can jump on uh, your computer and testify that way virtually. Okay, I get it. Yeah, so that's so the way they're to, keeping they're keeping the virtual option for committee hearings for, Chris, for, for citizens within the judiciary. Do you anticipate um, any big legislation coming down? I, I don't know if Governor Healy is going to send anything new. Um, having been the former yeah, Attorney General, I, I, I don't what do you, know. Yeah. Uh, as far as Healy's priorities, I don't know um, what will ultimately end up coming through judiciary. Um, I know, like I said, I know she's she's big on housing. It, it appears so. It looks like we're going to be doing a lot of work on, on that committee. Um, but I know um, my violence prevention bill. I was going to ask you about assigned, that. Hasn't been assigned yet, so I think you know that's one of the bills that will go through. I'm hoping that um, will be a priority. Chris, talk um, more about hope, that that legislation. It's really important. Yeah. So, so the, the the bill that I filed, I talked about it. I think several weeks ago. You did. Um, we were talking about uh, the bill. So, what it, it expands Medicaid 
to allow to pay for violence prevention in hospitals, emergency rooms. Um, as you know, South Host Health, St. Luke's Hospital, well, well St. Luke's Hospital specifically, is now a trauma center. Um, and so this is this couldn't be more, you know, relevant for um, for St. Luke's. So so when someone gets, you know, injured um, by gun violence or any type of violence, um, there there will be resources in the ER um, to help these folks along. Uh, statistically speaking, when someone's a victim of a violent crime, they're more likely to one be um, participate in violence afterwards, subsequent to that. Um, and or yeah, it's called um, revenge. Be, be injured again, <laughs> and so so this this pro, Biden signed not an executive order but an advisory, um, stating that you know Medicare is able to um, pay for these resources because right now it's just it's just it's very spotty and sporadic on how we pay for these. A lot of the big Boston hospitals all they all have um, uh, violence prevention programs, but but you know it's. it's in the gateway cities like New Bedford, Fall River, it, it depends on how much grant money we have, how much is appropriated for this and that. So this will um, allow more hospitals to have, you know, the hospital-based violence prevention and, resources. And and you said this last time um, you were on with me. It was um, this Massachusetts would be the third state in the country to to have this legislation passed if yeah, it is passed. Since that in, yeah, right. Since that advisory, since that advisory opinion i don't keep, keep want to say advisory opinion but uh since that um you know what came out through biden two states have done it illinois and connecticut okay uh, we're still doing research and fin- figuring out how how well they're doing i'm glad other states have already done it so it, it gives us a place to look as far as any changes we can make to the legislation or what you know what the bill would look like ultimately at the end chris um one of the things that I know the attorney general, who, who I happen to like quite a bit, is talking about is perhaps some more gun control legislation. I think Massachusetts has the best gun laws going, but I guess you can try to improve them. Um, what Do you see anything about gun control legislation on lawful gun owners coming down? I, I, I don't know for sure, but I wouldn't be surprised based on exactly what you just said with the, the, the priorities of um, the attorney general, um, and especially given the, the Bruin decision. Uh, that came out last year that basically takes all the discretion out of um, licenses to carry. Um, I've personally been doing a lot of research on that. Um, and you're right, I couldn't agree more that, you know, the laws uh, in Massachusetts, um, you know, uh, afford, um, you know, properly afford the, the, the Second Amendment right, uh, in my opinion. Right. But um, but there may be a push, um, or at least um, people will be looking into ways we can push back on that, that ruling decision from the Supreme Court. Well, we know we can count on you, though, Chris. Of course. All right. Um, and, that's, and that will certainly be one of the jobs of the judiciary is to, um, you know, to hear testimony and, um, you know, opinions from stakeholders and, and, and residents of the Commonwealth uh, in that regard. Yeah. So we're speaking with State Rep. Chris Hendrickson, New Bedford. Um, is there anything else that we didn't touch on in, in the last, in this conversation that you'd like to that you'd like to mention? Are you asking me? Yeah. Oh, uh, I didn't know. I the, want you uh, to do my job for me. <laughs> Star of the day. I was going to make a joke about that. But, um, no, I mean, listen, uh, again, the housing is going to be a real important issue um, over the next couple of years. I heard a lot of talk about rent control and rent stabilization. I think there are measures you could do legislatively that don't necessarily, that 
don't necessarily have anything to do with with controlling rent, mm-hmm. like tenant protections. I think tenant. A lot of people aren't talking about tenant protections, which are um, things like you know you can spread your first and last month's rent over the first six months of your tenancy. Uh, I think one of the the biggest problems low income folks and working folks have, especially you know rent when it comes to renting, is that upfront cost. Sure. Yeah. So if we can create a provision uh, in the legislature that that allows uh, folks in those situations to spread that out, um, I think that that's a great place to start. And I think, you know, the the home equity issue um, certainly deserves a lot of our attention. Um, and I think the way you combat things like that, I know there are bills that have been filed, certainly um, that that address that. But, but if you slow down the process, provide notice, and provide time for these folks to get back on their feet if they fall behind on, on their taxes. Um, I think that's that's certainly uh, an area where we can make a lot of, lot of significant change for the better. Chris, one more thing I wanted to ask you. Um, did you have anything else? Okay, so one more thing I wanted to ask you. Um, you were knocking doors with Carmen Amaral. We just had her in studio. She's debating um, uh, you know, with, with her, her opponent, Sean, uh, Sean Oliver. Um, why did you decide to um, uh, support Carmen Amaral's campaign? Well, I, I certainly she her involvement with the uh, the union, uh, the teachers unions, and, and as you know, that was a huge priority of mine coming in um, into the legislature was um, you know educational matters, making sure we have public education, the resources, not only the resources, but that the unions therein are. Um, you know, do, do, able to do the work that they need to do. She's been um, on that front uh, pretty strongly. So, so I certainly, you know, my my priorities aligned in on that regard, and certainly with uh, the labor council support, um, who's been a strong uh, supporter of mine as far as helping us uh, what we want to do legislatively and in the unionization that we all did, um, with whether it was the St. Luke's nurses or the the teachers at Vogue Tech. Um, they've been on the forefront. So anything that I could do to support them, um, you know, is why I was knocking on doors for sure. And, and, and I have most of Ward 3. I have A, B, C, and D precincts. Okay. Um, and so, you know, it matters. And, and I think someone said it was, you know, it's a tough, it's, it's, a, it's a multifaceted ward. You have a lot of single-family homes uh, in one area, and then you have a lot of multi-family um, housing uh, in the other, and I think uh, a, a lot of people in the multi-family housing areas can get feel neglected a lot of the time. And so, whatever I can do to get, um, you know, my face and, and, and my priorities in front of them, I, I will certainly do. New Bedford State Rep. Chris Hendricks, thanks for joining us. Uh, look forward to talking with you more. All right, gentlemen. Hey, thank th- you again. Thanks, Chris. He's always available when we ever ask. I yeah. really appreciate that, Chris. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate thank it. You. Bye. All right, we're going to take a break. That was New Bedford State Rep. Chris Hendricks, and uh, we'll be right back. This is South Coast Tonight. 1420 WBSM. I'm call on the line. We hope it's Ferris. We hope it's Ferris. Good evening. No, it's Mike Lima. Hey, oh, Mike. hey, Mike. How you, How you doing? doing, brother? How you been? How are you guys doing? Good, good. What's going on? Doing great. King of Constituent Service, George Rogers. Absolutely. Absolutely. No one better. He was great. No one better. I honestly feel that uh, looking at that Ward 3 race, uh, I personally feel that the young lady has a little bit of an advantage. I like her background a little bit better when it would 
come to serving the people of Ward 3. Uh, That's my opinion. Yeah. Well, you've been around this game a long time. Yeah. Mike, you, you can pick winners. Um, look, I was impressed. I've been impressed with both their hard work, all right, which is the only thing you can tell. Everyone can promise you the world, right? Um, but yep. both of them have got out there and busted their ass on door-to-door. Um, so they want it. We'll see what happens. Any predictions? Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, I think I've texted you a couple times t- uh, telling you that uh, I, from the beginning I thought Kyman was going to place. Now it's a matter of delivering and coming into first place. Uh, Ward always has been uh, to predict. Uh, I just feel that if the people do their homework, I don't know. I, I don't see a very big turnout. Right. So I think it's uh, I, now. I think it goes back to old time politics. I agree and with you. Who pushes their vote out the door? who's identified their vote and who pushes it out the door next Tuesday. Institutionally, Carmen has a lot of really solid institutional support. People that know how to move the numbers on getting out the vote. People that supported the last Ward 3 counselor. Yes, who know how to get out the vote, right? And that's worth 5% at least. And this race could be worth even more. Um, And um, I don't know this. What what's the lineup going to be on the ballot? Is she going to be first because of names? Yes. Uh, yes. She right? will be. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so there's a little a, a little bit also. So, and he won by, what, 25 votes in the primary or something to that effect? Something just very close to that. Yes, Mike. Mike. Basically a negligible amount, given all oh, the yeah. votes that are out, out there yeah, to, to grab. Right. Okay, so I'll give her the slight edge. Uh, I want to give her the slight edge by what he won primary by. So I think she's going to flip it by the 25 and win by 25. So that's what I'm looking at, and that's only my opinion from being around for a while, but it's going to be damn close, I'll tell you that much. So I appreciate Go ahead. Where, where do you think they line up, Mike, when they hit the council floor? Either, assuming, you know, obviously not both of them are going to win. It's going to be one. But where do they, day one, where do they organize on the city council floor among the coalitions that are on that floor? Uh, ooh. I don't know. I, that's a, Chris, that's a very good question that I really haven't given much thought to whatsoever. Right, because it's tight there honesty. now. There are votes that are tight. I'm going to tell you, I'm only going to tell you what, the the one that everybody's been talking about is the Carol Pimentel appointment. Yes. And I'm going to give you my opinion on that appointment, and it's not probably going to be what people would think. Okay. I'm against that appointment. Interesting. Why is that? Why am I against that appointment? Yes. Because she's been in the circle of political politics to New Bedford for many years. I just think that position, that board needs new blood. Okay. I think it's a fair. I don't think, I can't disagree that she, she's been around a long time. I would put that in the qualifications. 
call. Yeah. And, and that's fine. And yeah. No, no, I agree. The, and you can put that in the qualification box. And I agree with you. I'm a big guy for qualifications. I just think it's been a long time. She goes back to Bullet, if not goes back to Maki. I'm not sure about Bullet. Maki. Bullet. I know for sure yeah. for Bullet. I just think it's way too long. I have nothing against Carol Pimento. I, I've known about her and of her for <laughs> as many moons as we've been in the political game, Chris. Right. So I'm just saying on this one, I'm not for that appointment. I'm against that appointment. I'd like to see new blood on the vocational board because I think that board is going to have a lot of big decisions to make in the next uh, decade. Sure. Hey, Mike Lima, really appreciate the call. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Thanks. Thanks, brother. Yep. Thank you so you much. Thanks for listening. Night, yep. You too. Thank you. I think, honestly, Dartmouth and Fairhaven, too, need to start paying attention to that committee appointment. So, I think, Marcus, you're very right about that, and I wonder if now they are going to. Um, their, their boards of selectmen make the appointment, right? I believe that's the case. Yeah. Um, look, so, so I, Mike Lima's been around a long time. And, and he certainly knows what he speaks. So my, my opinion is that Carol, because she has been a player and involved for so long, is an experienced hand. Doesn't mean I'm going to agree with her on everything. She probably wouldn't agree with me. But um, I do think that because the board is so sensitive, it does require somebody who's been under pressure before. Been in, a, in, a, in an administrative role in education, too. Under it's pressure, just, Marcus. Yeah, I, I think so. Under pressure is important. One yeah. of the things you... Well, you, because I, I remember watching the school committee meeting where they put up those new um, those new, th those new regulations forward, and um, which, by the way, probably won't have the intended effect that they want, that they, they say they're going to have, but right. let's say they do. Okay. There was one of the school committee members, I believe it was one of the Dartmouth ones, they're attacking us, they're attacking oh, us. Right, right, <laughs> right, know, right, like, right. Like a little baby. And I was like, it's like, they're not attacking you, they're the ones that tell you what to do. They're the, they're the ones that give you all your money, and they tell you what to do with it. They're not attacking you. So, when, when it comes to, like, for instance, Marcus, um, we watch a lot of city councils, new, new ones and old ones. One of the things about Hugh Dunn that I, that I knew when he was entering the body is that he can handle pressure. Yeah. Okay. So whatever side was going to come at him, whatever he felt, he was going to do what he believed was right. He can handle pressure. Same thing with Maria Giesta. <clears throat> She's been around Congress. She, she understands the lobbying, the pressure, all of that stuff of that t types of things pressure from from political forces so i didn't feel like she would melt or, or, or literally run in the anteroom rather than take a vote yeah right yeah, yeah, so yeah. the ability to handle pressure i don't really care wh what side of the issue you come down on i'd like you to agree with me but what i'd like you to do is reach a decision so i do i do recognize there is pressure in politics carol pimento is seasoned she's going to be under pressure we're going to take a break we'll be right back if you're on the line stay in the line Listen to us live anywhere in the world on the WBSM app. The voices in the night that cover the news of the day. I heard the voices too. Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. More of South Coast Tonight happens now on WBSM. Good evening. Let's go to the phones. Good evening. You're live. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, How's it going? going yeah, it's going okay. Uh, I, two issues. One, one issue. Have we got to the point where the folks' school committee should be elected? 
by this by this. I, I think I think it's an interesting idea. I know there's other school districts. I think Taunton, Bristol Plymouth elects their school committee. And I think it would go a long way to, to, to fixing this. Yes, I believe I, Old Colony does. Or their representatives in the different towns. I believe they do. Yeah. Yeah. How did that work out? How, how did it end up being that way that uh, Vogue doesn't have an elected school committee? How did you guys know? I think a lot of, so I think a lot of them don't, uh, a lot of communities don't have elected school committees. I think it's actually rare to have elected school committees for well, Vogue. For, 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 well, I mean, for, I mean, for, I mean, for Vogue, because most towns okay. and cities in the Commonwealth have elected school committees, but <laughs> in general, but Vogue school committees, I think that's actually a rarity. And I think that's actually something we should move towards. Yeah, because actually, it's the taxpayer money that's supporting these places, and the taxpayers should have a say about who, uh, you know, represents them in, on the school committee. I, I, I think it's a vestige of the um, real strength that the mayor has in the city. The charter, that the, the, yeah, the fact the is, day. the mayor is a real strong mayor. Yes, it is. Yes. So it I is. think that that because um, as we learned, Marcus. Like in Attleboro, the mayor is not the chairman of the school committee yeah. in Attleboro, which I found was very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, uh, but what, yeah, I think that's a, that could be a good change. What Menino said about the strong mayor system is in Massachusetts is it's the closest thing to uh, a king that you can be. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no question. No that, question. Yeah. That's that's why too. If once John Mitchell decides that he doesn't want to be mayor, you got a problem here because who are you going to get? What if you end up with a Jaisal career for four years? It's you absolutely know? possible. That's that's not good. I I don't, I don't like these this four years. Uh, two, maybe maybe three to give some leeway, but this four year thing, like you said, the the charter is a powerful mayor already, and you're just giving that mayor more power. Uh, certainly, Mitchell's a smart guy. He works hard, but if you get a Jaisal career once Mitchell decides to move on, what are you going to do? So I call it. I think if, you, if during the debate, the discussion on it, it wasn't much of a debate, really. Scott Lang came out against it. I think everybody was was looking at John Mitchell and not thinking about John yeah, Mitchell's the not the only guy who's going to be there for yeah. four years. Some, you know, someday he won't be there. Right, and I mean, look, I think John Mitchell is a is a really good mayor, and so I don't have any problem with him there. For well, four years. the issue is you talked about who we're going to have for mayor uh, candidates. The uh, ultimate mayoral fight would be John Mitchell versus Scott Lang. They have two different views. They're two uh, intelligent guys, and uh, those are the two people that could really point as to, you know, which way is the city going to go. Scott Lang would, I think, get a lot of support from the fishermen on the the seaport because I don't think they're too happy with that, uh, you know, the windmill stuff. I I have to tell you something. I had a very interesting conversation off the air today Mm -hmm. um, with someone who's very knowledgeable Mm -hmm. who believes (laughs) (laughs) believes that what you just said very well may come true. Well, that that is the the ultimate, you know, mayoral race in, in New Bedford because they they're both smart guys. Yes, they both have two different visions. Yes, they're both articulate. Yes. Okay, and it would give the voters of New Bedford a chance to say, okay, this is the way New Bedford's going to go. And again, I'll mention it again. Scott Lang, I think, would have a lot of support from the fishermen of the area. Uh, the fish owners and everything, and there's a lot of, you say money's the lifeblood of politics. There's a lot of support there if they don't want to, you know, have the windmills. I often, I often laugh with the the, oil, the windmill thing there. They talk about the ocean, ocean cluster. Right. <laughs> I would call it more the ocean cooperative <laughs> rather than a cluster. Right. When I think a cluster, I think of something else, but that's beside the point. Certainly, certainly. <laughs> but nonetheless, so, so okay. So, the, the, um, the, 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 we'll have Scott Lang here on Friday, by the way. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Scott will be in studio on Friday. That's yeah, right. Uh, for the for the full three hours. For the fireside chat. That's what yes. it, that's that's the vibe he gives off. The well, fireside chat. I just chat hope he doesn't put on a cardigan sweater like Jimmy Carter and uh, turn everybody off. You know. <laughs> he will talk about Jimmy Carter. He talked <laughs> yeah, a little he bit. Talk, of, he talked, talked about day. that with Barry earlier this yeah, week, but he's yeah, going to talk yeah. about that for sure. Scott Lang is single handedly helped elect. He's a, he's a Democrat who helped elect Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because if he hadn't helped introduce the plan, mm-hmm. which we'll talk more about on Friday with him, mm-hmm. to get, um, originally, it was not Ted Kennedy. Yeah, yeah. But he got Ted Kennedy to take his plan to run for president against Carter in the Democrat primary, which defeated Carter down to a nub, which then made him vulnerable yeah, to President well, this, Reagan. I, I know there's no love between the Carter forces and the Kennedy forces. Watching C-SPAN, there was a gentleman on that was talking about Carter, and he was writing a book about Carter's uh, in presidency and his life and everything. And he said when he went up to uh, the uh, Kennedy Library to you know try to get some access to the uh, library files, things that might have to do with Carter and Kennedy's, he, he said he wasn't very well received. You know, so uh, right. I think there's some bitterness there as well. It's an amazing political duel, really. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna have Scott in to talk about it. Yeah. Well, one other issue sure. I wanted to bring up too, not really an issue, but uh, and Chris, the other man to answer this. Progress with Big Al. How's he making out? Um, I think Big Al's going to be okay. He's got amazing resources around him. It's a difficult problem to solve, but um, over the long term, uh, Mark Montigny will will do do a lot to help him, but he'll be stable until then. Well, that's that's good to hear. Yeah, I I hope he can get stable somewhere in the South End because, as far as I'm concerned, he's the unofficial mayor of the South End. <laughs> and I agree it's with you. So over many terms of many different we, mayors, we get you know? we, we got to hit this break. But thank, thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, bye. Checking in on Big L. Fourteen. <laughs> good evening. <laughs> so, <laughs> welcome back to the show. So again, I think both candidates. Um, I do appreciate them coming in, spending some time with us. Um, I hope the voters of Ward 3 don't do what they did in the preliminary and not show up. I hope they show up. Um, we've done everything we could do, Marcus. Mm-hmm. WBSM has dedicated hours and hours of valuable radio time to these campaigns. I don't believe they really purchased any ads. I don't recall. Yeah, I don't think so. Hours and hours of time have been dedicated to this little ward in New Bedford. I hope that the voters, and we did it because we care. We did it because we care about the people who care about themselves. Um, it, it matters. Mm-hmm. And we care about the city of New Bedford because whoever wins is not going to be voting just on Ward 3. Yeah. They're going to be voting on all kinds of major, major things that are going to happen. like like the like the the thing is with the with the with the Voctech uh, school committee thing. They're voting on the Voctech school committee votes on stuff that impacts New Bedford, Dartmouth, Fairhaven, right? Right. right. And New Bedford gets more reps than yes. on that committee than uh, Fairhaven and Dartmouth does. What happens over there matters for everybody. As I've been saying Marcus since I started on this station. As goes New Bedford, goes the region. Right. You can't have a successful Fairhaven, a successful Dartmouth, without a successful New Bedford. I agree. I agree. So we'll see. So get out and vote. Go go vote. Go vote. Go vote. Go vote. That's it. That's that's. Uh, Mark, you know what we should do after the election, which is next Tuesday. 
next Tuesday. We're going to get the list of people who didn't vote. And we'll read your name. Hey, over the, the mayor's going to come on the day, day after the election. The day after? He's going to be on with us. Beautiful. Yeah, I didn't realize it, but that's, yeah, it's going to be on with us. We're going to blame him and see what he does about it. <laughs> right to if his face. If there's a low turnout. Right to his face. John, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to resign right now? <laughs> John, I can't believe you're just going to take the blame. <laughs> you and only you can make changes. Can't do it, Sally. <laughs> For old time's sake, get me off the hook. Can't do it, Sally. Can you get me off the hook, Tom? For old time's sake. <laughs> Tell Michael it wasn't personal. <laughs> I always liked him. It wasn't personal. <laughs> He understands. Now get in the car. (laughs) (laughs) These guys are going to kill you. (laughs) Can we get a Lang Mitchell matchup? I think we can. You know, I don't know. I I think we can. It would be a a a colossal. Can you imagine the debates? It would be the my. It would be. I've been trying to find. We. It would be so friggin' awesome. It would be so awesome, and I'm like, what could t- possibly top the Bristol County Sheriff's election? That could. That could definitely. Oh, that do would it. top it totally. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that would top it totally, <clears throat> because they both were in the same office. Yeah. 